Hello and welcome to episode 126 of the Atlanta Man Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, we'll be discussing the Falcons floundering out of the playoff picture in incredibly disappointing fashion against the New Orleans Saints, the Braves making a trade for a starting pitcher that was uh, very much needed for the Braves rotation, and the Atlanta Hawks, who just continue to have an absolute stinker of a season. But uh, first, we're going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. They have finished 7-10 and for the third consecutive season. They will have the number eight pick in the draft for the third consecutive season. And they get their doors absolutely blown off by their biggest rivals, the New Orleans Saints, 48-17. to um, Truly a terrible game terrible experience um really from the past two weeks from the falcons after you know last week um haven't talked about this yet but went to chicago and the bears um beat the falcons 37 to 17 so back to back 20 plus point losses or 20 points or more i should say and um you know like i said earlier the falcons flounder their way out of the playoff spot these last two weeks and even coming into the game today against the Saints, they had a shot. Um, they needed to beat the Saints, obviously, and they needed the Panthers to upset the Buccaneers, which, you know, didn't happen, um, but wasn't impossible because, you know, the Buccaneers, who, you know, they, they have won the division now, are not a great team either. They're 9-8, and eight. Um, and the Panthers are the worst team to lead, but they only lost 9 to nothing today, kind of a weird game, only field goals from the Buccaneers, but the Panthers definitely were at least somewhat in it score-wise. You know, the offense didn't do anything for them, but, you know, it wasn't the craziest notion in the world that the Falcons could win the South today. But, um, yeah, it didn't happen. And honestly, I think uh, this is, you know, long-term the best thing that could happen for the team was losing today to the Saints. As frustrating it is to lose to your biggest rival, I do think it was uh, necessary to better the team in years to come. Uh, one is, you know, you lock up higher draft pick, obviously, by losing the game. They secured the number eight pick. I don't know exactly how far they could have fell in the draft where if they would have won. I think they could have gotten down to like 11 or 12. So, you know, first round, three spots, that could make a difference. No doubt about it, uh, depending on what guys you value. Maybe if you wanted to trade up, you don't have to trade up as many picks, so on and so forth. <clears throat> and um, another thing, if, you know, I'm pretty certain that if they were, they lost today and didn't make the playoffs that Arthur Smith was going to get fired. Um, I'm recording this at uh, around 1030 on Sunday night. I pretty much expect tomorrow to perhaps wake up or sometime in the afternoon for Arthur Smith to be relieved of his duties as head coach for the Falcons. I would be pretty disappointed if he wasn't, um, you know, sometime in the near future. Uh, if they really have to mull this over, I think that's concerning in itself. And if he somehow sticks around, that um you know that that might be just the worst thing they could possibly do is to stick with Arthur Smith um like I said they've gone seven and ten the past three years those are all three years of Arthur Smith's tenure as head coach um you know just top of my head that's 21 and 30 over three years literally no improvement and if you somehow run it back with Smith um we're starting to get uh into definition of insanity territory by you know, repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Because I think this is just who he is as a coach. Um, you know, play calling, 
was one of his calling cards, obviously, as an offensive guy coming in. Creative play calling in Tennessee as an offensive coordinator, and that just never happened in Atlanta. Um, partly is probably part of that is because he never really had a great quarterback. I know he had Matt Ryan the first year, but, you know, that wasn't the same guy. That was not prime Matt Ryan. Then you have Mariota and Ritter. Uh, but, you know, the Ritter thing, that's largely on him. He chose Ritter to be the guy. He, you know, wanted the front office to stick with him, and they did. That's not all his fault. I mean, that some of that does fall on Terry Fontenot's shoulders by, uh, you know, wanting to go with Ritter this year and not getting another guy this offseason. You know, Ritter hadn't showed much last year, but it wasn't like he showed nothing and was a complete, um, you know, just a waste of a season if they played him this year. So, you know, there is that is like slightly defensible, but, you know, the Ritter thing obviously did not work. Um, and yeah, it is just, uh, just same old, same old from the Falcons. I mean, it's been going around their record ever since, or not their records, just the, their season records since 2017, the last time they made the playoffs. And, you know, it's 7 7-9, 7-9, 4-12, 7-10, 7-10, 7-10. Like, it has been so bad for six years now. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully this offseason is finally taking a step forward. Because zero steps have been taken since 2017. When they last made the playoffs, lost to Philadelphia, nothing has gotten better. Nothing. You know, they've moved on from Dan Quinn in that time. It's looking like they're going to move on from Arthur Smith. They've moved on from Dimitrov. It has just been um, misery for the Falcons for this long. I guess we should talk about the game a little bit today. Not that it's super important. Um, You know, on the... On the bright side, they started off this game pretty fantastic. Desmond Ritter started the game off 5-for-5 five five with like 150 yards and two touchdowns. The Falcons went up 14-7, to seven, but, um, you know, the rest is kind of history from there. They go up 14-7, and they get outscored 41-3 uh, to three the rest of the game. Um, you know, Bijan had a really huge touchdown early in this game on just kind of a blown checkdown coverage from the Saints, and... He had like a 75-yard receiving touchdown. He ended up having seven catches for 103 yards today, which that's great. Um, he also set the Falcons' rookie record for scrimmage yards. You know, um, Bijan is good, uh, and it's still pretty impressive. That's an impressive accomplishment, and, um, especially considering, you know, his usage for sure, as he did not get the ball nearly as much as he should have this year. Um, but, you know, we have litigated that to death, so we don't have to talk about that anymore. Hopefully that won't be an issue in the future. And, um, yeah, I mean, the rest of it was just a blowout. The Saints dominated. Um, I guess the only other thing of note that is going to be remembered of this game was uh, the garbage time touchdown the Saints scored. Um, Tyron Matthew got a pick off of uh, Logan Woodside, who got into the game um, late. And um, he returned it all the way to the one-yard line. Uh, Jameis Winston was in the game, I believe, for the, um, for the Saints. And uh, they did, like, a fake knee and they ended up running the ball in at the one, and uh, that put them up 40-17. to 17. And Arthur Smith and the entire Falcons coaching staff, for that matter, as there were multiple members of the Falcons coaching staff um, yelling at Dennis Allen on the middle of the field after the game, this is FNBS, you're, you're this and that, a lot of name-calling, a lot of bad words. And, um, you know, I don't really care that much. It was just, when I saw Arthur Smith get fired up at Dennis Allen, it just kind of made me think, like, man, this is – that's how he's going out, just get being mad at uh, the opposing head coach for you know, supposedly running the score up. But here's the thing. 
It's the Saints and the Falcons. They're each other's biggest rivals. If the Fal- if the roles were reversed, the Falcons did this, I would be on here laughing, having fun about it, chuckling. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and be mad at the Saints for doing this of something that I would personally do and personally root for. I'm not going to uh, do that. I don't care that much. Um, I don't, if anything, it like it sucks for like I guess the players that I like on the Falcons because I guess it is slightly embarrassing getting beat this bad. But for Arthur Smith, I I enjoyed him. If that embarrassed him in any way or made him angry, I like that <laughs> because I'm just not an Arthur Smith fan. I think Arthur Smith is uh, you know he's he's got his um, how do how do I put this sassiness with the media this year that has been very annoying kind of just been uh unpleasant and rude to media members that ask very legitimate questions um you know there's the whole thing about his father being the ceo of fedex which uh you know some some very large nepotism allegations against Artie. um so yeah all that to say i'm not a fan of arthur smith so i do enjoy him getting worked up and probably embarrassed by this and he should be he did an embarrassing job this year as head coach and he should be um full-blown embarrassed of the season his entire tenure with the falcons and um he deserves to be fired 1000 percent. and um, i hope i wake up tomorrow morning and ian Rappaporter adam schefter has reported that he's been fired i I really hope that's the case, and um, if it's not tomorrow, hopefully it's in the near future. But um, yeah, looking forward. Um, you know, you got the number eight pick. Maybe take a quarterback. I know the jokes are flying that they're going to take Malik Neighbors or Brock Bowers. Um, if they do that, they better have uh, made a trade outside the organization for a quarterback: Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, etc. Um, but yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. I think Fields is definitely an option if the Bears take Caleb Williams or Drake May, whoever they prefer at the top. Um, but, uh, yeah, I uh, they need a quarterback. And that we have all offseason to talk about that. Draft, trade up in the draft, trade for a quarterback, plenty of options. But, you know, one thing, this season has made one thing abundantly clear, Desmond Ritter. It's not the quarterback of the season. He finishes with 12 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, <laughs> which that is not not a good ratio, not even a little bit. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we we know that that is clear. And, um, you know, hopefully this offseason, the direction of this team takes a drastic shift because it's what they need. So I think um, I'm done talking about the Falcons for a while, and I'm happy about that, unless – like we can talk about them next week if Arthur Smith is fired. We can, you know, um, do some more dancing of the gr- on the grave if uh, he is fired. So that's the only Falcons talk I plan on doing in the near future. Uh, season disappointing. Easiest schedule in football. They go seven and ten again. Incredibly disappointing. And um, yeah, Falcons will be the Falcons. Now let's move on and uh, let's do the Braves now. Let's talk um, Chris Sale. Chris Sale is a Atlanta Brave. Um, let's see, what day was this? It was the day before New Year's Eve. Uh, I believe it was a Saturday out of nowhere. The um, the Braves made a trade for left-handed pitcher Chris Sale of the Boston Red Sox, um, and that included Vaughn Grissom, who really the Braves' biggest trade chip, I would say, of guys that were very clearly available 
and um, you know, as far as years of control, youth, all that stuff, he's not a, technically a prospect anymore, but he was um, essentially their number one position player prospect quotations. He lost his eligibility as a prospect, but he is still very much a uh, young, unproven guy, so kind of still fits the bill of a prospect, but he's going to Boston for Chris Sale, and uh, Brace also get cash consideration, so this is where <laughs> this there's a little wrinkle before we get into the trade itself. Let's talk about the money. Chris Sale was owed $27.5 million in uh, 2024. The Boston Red Sox sent $17 million to the Braves in this trade, and Chris Sale had a lot of deferrals in his contract, and the other $10 million he wasn't um, due to get until 2039. So essentially, the Braves... Uh, we're only going to pay Chris Sale five hundred thousand dollars for the twenty twenty four season. Um, I think that was part of Boston's strategy to get Grissom in a one for one swap here, uh, is by eating Sale's entire contract for the season. But the Braves, a few days later, in Braves fashion, turn around and give him a little extension, um, two years, thirty eight million dollars, with a club option for the twenty twenty six season for eighteen million. Um, he will make sixteen million dollars in twenty twenty four. So still, the Braves actually made $1 million, technically, um, in this trade because they threw out Sale's old contract. Um, he will make slightly less money this year, but Boston sent the $17 million over to cover all of that. And then next season, it is a uh, $22 million guaranteed, as um, Chris Sale did have an option in his original contract when he first came over for $20 million. So a slight bump there, and this isn't an option. The Braves are locked in to pay Chris Sale $22 million next year, no matter what, barring a trade, which I don't foresee that happening. So the Braves would take on a little bit more risk, but also a little more reward here if Sale is good and healthy. And um, yeah, it is an interesting deal all the way around. Let's just get into the trade itself. We can, we can circle back to the extension. Um, Chris Sale has not been very healthy at all since 2019. And um, it is now... The year of our Lord, 2024, Chris Sale has not made more, or he has, let's, let's put it this way, he has not pitched more than 140 innings since 2019. He didn't pitch at all in the shortened COVID season because he had Tommy John surgery, came back in 2021, made nine starts, was pretty good after Tommy John, but then in 2022, he only made two starts as um he suffered a pretty unfortunate um, finger injury where he broke one of his fingers on a comebacker and just never made it back. Um, so he only made two starts in 2022. And then last year was his, um, you know, uh, how do, what, what do I say here? The most the most he's pitched since 2019. He made 20 starts, 102 and a two-thirds innings. Um, a 4-3 ERA, which is not um, incredibly sexy, but a 3-8 FIP, which is better. Um, 11 Ks per nine, which is awesome, you know, for a starting pitcher. That, that does not happen a ton. Um, so... Some indications say that he might have gotten slightly unlucky last year. Um, his XERA and XFIP were even lower, too. And uh, he pitched in Fenway. Fenway is a uh, hitter's park, especially as a lefty. Um, you know, righties probably have a bit of a platoon advantage. And you got the greed monster in left. You do not have to hit the ball incredibly far for it to leave. And uh, Chris Sale did give up a um, solid chunk of homers last year, 1.3 per nine, 15 total. That is slightly above his career average. But, um, yeah, the reason the Braves are doing this is because, one, 
the starting pitching market is ridiculous. You have to pay so much um, for pitchers money-wise if you're signing a free agent. And, um, you know, just hearing some of the uh, rumors about Dylan Cease and what the Red Sox, or the, not the Red Sox, what the White Sox want from him, it's your entire farm system. So the Braves decide, hey, we're not going to pay Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery, you know, 180 to $200 million, and we're not going to trade Hurston Waltrip, A.J. Smith-Shaver, Von Grissom, and more to the White Sox for Dylan Cease. We're going to kind of bring on a reclamation project here in Sale. Chris Sale, once upon a time, was like probably the top three pitcher in baseball for a seven-year stretch, at least top five. I mean, from 2012 to 2018, he finished top six in the Cy Young every season that includes a second second place finish in 2017 fourth place in 2018 third place in 2014 with the white Sox. like he was bona fide bona fide top five pitcher at least in baseball for seven years straight didn't miss a ton of starts ever fewest starts he made in that stretch was 26 like he was durable he was incredible one of the best pitchers in the world and since then you know since 20 2019 he has made, let's see, 31 starts, over 151 innings, um, 3.93 ERA, and 3.72 FIP. Good strikeouts, but you know ERA is a bit more inflated. Um, and he he's essentially pitched one full season of baseball over the past four seasons. So that's kind of one way to put it. 31 starts is pretty much one full starting pitching season, and he has done that in four years <laughs> since 2019. So that's that's rough, you know. The injuries have been definitely been a concern, but um, one thing that Sale and the Braves have harped on is that this is Sale's first regular offseason, I think, since the 2018 offseason after they won the World Series. Um, you know, 2019, going into 2019, or going into 2020 is when he got Tommy John, and then ever since then, things have just not been normal for him injury-wise. He's had like a rib issue, a shoulder blade issue. Like it, there is some risk here. Like just saying it out loud, it kind of makes you hold your breath um, of him getting hurt. But, you know, the strikeouts have never left. The stuff is still pretty good. Um, I know when the Braves made the trade, they were showing that a bat of uh, him and Bryce Harper earlier this season where he just threw like four 99-mile-an-hour fastballs to Bryce Harper in 2023 and struck him out. Um you know, he got hurt, hurt briefly last year. When he came back, he wasn't throwing that hard, probably because he just couldn't do that and stay healthy. But, um, yeah, it is a very interesting piece the Braves have got here. He will be 35 years old this season. That is not a young man at all, but I think the Braves are buying into just the, the raw talent. He's one of the most talented pitchers of a generation. And um, I think, you know, this regular off season he's going to have and uh, the Braves, you know, they definitely did their due diligence with his medical histories, and they must think that he is good enough to go, um, that they really believe in this, believing him, believe in him enough that they traded and extended him. You know, it's not like a crazy extension. Like, it's not like it's for five years, but, you know, they, they kind of took on some more risk by giving him one more guaranteed year. You know, next year was an option, and they decided to say, hey, we'll guarantee you next year, and we want 2026 to be the option year. So they believe in this clearly that he's going to stay healthy and I think if he's healthy he's going to be good like even even his numbers when he has barely pitched lately they're still pretty good numbers like you know the strikeouts are there and uh, ERA's a bit inflated but I'm not really too worried about that you know when you're pitching so 
um, here and there. And uh, sorry, I'm getting a phone call. Let me decline that. Um, when you're not pitching super consistently, like I'm not gonna focus too much on your ERA. Especially like, you know, he's made 31 starts, but they have been just so scattered that it's not like a consistent body of work or anything. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm i very interested to see how this goes. This is going to be a trade that's going to be um, argued and litigated for a long time because uh, of who the Braves sent over. And uh, we can get into Vaughn now as um, Vaughn Grissom is the man going to Boston for sale. Uh it seemed like an almost certainty that Von Grissom was going to be traded this offseason. Uh, for a starting pitcher, you know, there had been the rumors, or not rumors, just speculation that he might go to Seattle for one of Seattle's young pitchers because they need uh, um, position player help. They need bats. Uh, you know, speculation that he would be part of the Dylan Cease trade. You know, him, him going for a starter is not surprising at all. Him going for sale, a little bit more surprising. No one really saw that part coming of uh, him going to Boston for Chris Sale in a one-for-one -one swap. That is definitely a surprise here. But Grissom, you know, this is another part of the risk, for sure. Um, Vaughn is 23 years old. He just turned 23 two days ago. So uh, happy birthday to Vaughn Grissom. But he's 23 years old. He's got all six years of control. He's not a free agent until 2030. Um, he definitely has... A chance to pop and if sale ends up getting hurt or just not being good this could bite the braves and look pretty bad last year vaughn and triple a had a 921 ops that is uh pretty good not a lot of pop um he only had eight home runs but 36 doubles uh, he batted 330 in AAA. like he is kind of more of like a raw he's not like a slug he's just kind of more of a hitter he you know he this is kind of a not a fair comparison but considering where he's going it kind of adds up he he his ceiling his ceiling ceiling is probably a guy like Xander Bogarts the former Red Sox shortstop Xander it's not a huge pop guy never hit a ton of homers but the dude can just hit and he's gonna he's gonna hit you like 40 doubles a season and he's gonna bat over 300 like and get on base at a good clip too, draw some walks like he's just that kind of hitter not necessarily just a masher and I think Vaughn kind of has some of that in him um you know we saw how good he could be when he first came up in 2022 Last year was just uh, pretty rough at the major league level. Um, defense was bad at shortstop, and uh, he didn't hit at all. He had a 659 OPS, and he didn't even hit a home run in the majors last year. So kind of a lost year at the major league level, but he really did rake in AAA. So that is uh, really what kept his value afloat. And, um, you know, I, I do wish the best, best for Vaughn Grissom. He was super fun to watch when he first came up. You know, he first hit his first career home run over the monster in Fenway, so kind of full circle thing for him. And, um, yeah, it is going to be interesting to see how he uh, progresses in uh, in the future with Boston. Looks like he's going to be their second baseman. Uh, pair him with Trevor Story up the middle. The, the Red Sox have a very high... Um, you know, the variance is very high with their middle infield right now between Story and Grissom. The the outcomes could be very high and very low with those two. So we'll see how that goes for them. But yeah, my overall thoughts on this trade, um, you know, I understand it. It's not my favorite deal the Braves have ever made, but I do think it has a real chance to be a, um, a very nice pickup for the Braves. And if Sale can be healthy, and ready for the playoffs, I think that's really what's going to matter here. Because I think when he's healthy and pitching, I, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be good. He's not going to be, you know, top five Cy Young Chris Sale, but I think he's going to be solid. 
And um, yeah, it is uh, just an interesting deal. And it could bite the Braves, though. They're, this is one of the riskier deals Alex Anthopoulos has made as a GM, for sure. So uh, we will see how it goes. Like I said, it seemed like a, a lock that Grissom was going to get traded this offseason, and it finally happened. And, uh, yeah, it looks like the Braves' rotation might be set. I wouldn't hate it if they added another pitcher. Uh, you know, just because you got, you got a little bit of uncertainty with health. You know, Charlie Morton is very old. Chris Sale is older and uh, hasn't been healthy. You know, Freed had his injuries last year. So, and even though it's the uncertainty of like Elder, what if Bryce Elder is more of the guy who was in the second half of last year than he was in the first half? There is a lot of uncertainty in certain areas. But you know, the the high end of this Braves rotation, the the upside is definitely there. Right after the Braves made this move, I think um, Fangraphs put the Braves as the uh, number one projected rotation for next year over the Dodgers. So they're, like, they're still very good rotation, but I would not mind at all if they got like just like a safe innings eater just to have some uh, depth and security at the position because, you know, that what happened last year was very bad. It was very bad. The Bryce Elder having to start game three was, hor- was horrible, and um, that just can't happen again. Hopefully they, um, they can stay healthy and um, – you know, maybe some guys will pop, you know. You got Schauber, who's a big prospect in the system, and then even Hurston Waldrip, if the Braves want to be super aggressive with the promotions again, he might be a guy that pitches in the big leagues next year. So we will we will see how it goes um, as the offseason turn keeps uh, churning on. But, uh, yeah, I think the Braves are close to done. Maybe one more pitcher, and um, they need a right-handed outfield bat. Adam Duvall probably would be great. <laughs> it's a kind of perfect situation for Adam Duvall but we will see who that is so um yeah that is it for the Braves let's let's wrap things up with the Hawks um the Hawks the Hawks are not playing very well right now um they had a they had a horrendous loss on Friday night to the Pacers 150 to 116 they lost uh they did beat the Thunder who the Thunder are very good this year. They beat them at home by three, but they only win by uh, three, like I said, but they were up by like 16 with three minutes ago. They almost blew that game. They barely beat the Wizards. Uh, they're 14 and 21. And, um, you know, it feels like m- more of the uh, attention of this team is kind of going towards like trade stuff as uh, they might be getting pillaged here soon at the deadline as it, it's kind of becoming more apparent that they might be selling. Um, DeJounte Murray is on the block. It was reported heavily that the Hawks have been shopping him. Um, you know, they said that everybody on the team except for Trey and Jalen Johnson are available, which um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually down with that. Trade, sell at the deadline. You know, I'm, like trading Murray, they don't have to do that. It's not my favorite thing, but it seems like Murray might not be the happiest. But, um, you know, his contract is very valuable. He signed a pretty team-friendly deal in June. It is kind of weird to turn around six months later and trade him, but, you know, Murray took all the Hawks stuff off of social media, and, you know, that's not everything, but, you know, it's not nothing. Um, but, uh, yeah, they lost tonight to the Magic on the road by seven in overtime. Um, and, yeah, it's, just, it's getting harder and harder to find a path for this team to make a run. Um, you know, if you look at some of the, you look under the hood a little bit, some of their advanced numbers offensively, especially, their record probably shouldn't be this bad. But you know we're starting to get to like a pretty solid sample. We're about halfway through the season, and it's just not happening. Um, 
like really in the Hawks, let's see, in their last one, two, three, four, five, six. They're two and six in their last uh, eight. Like they're they're not playing very well at all. Like they just they've never been able to get it going all season. Never. Like they, they like they just haven't. Like it's just extremely frustrating. Um, I feel like every time I got on here, it's the same story, and I'm just running out of things to say. They are just not clicking at all. You know, some guys will have their moments. You know, Trey's having a great season, obviously. Jalen Johnson, since coming back from injury, has been very solid. Um, you know, Bogey and Murray have their moments, but it just it has never, never lined up for them at all. And um, we will see how things shake out with trades. If Murray does get dealt, if they end up trading, like, Capella or Bogey, you know, for some more assets. Um, but, yeah, it was also reported that they're, like, pretty much out on Siakam now, which that was the big thing in the off season was that they're going to trade for Pascal Siakam. That's that should be out the window. Um, they're smart in saying that, but it's just um, yeah, it's it's not good. They are in a very rough spot. You know, they're the second team out of the play-in. They're the 12 seed currently. They're only a game out of the play-in, which you know would not stun me at all if they ended up in that play-in game again. But uh, yeah, it's not good. Maybe they have a run in them to kind of right the ship and get back, but. You know, said at the beginning of the season, the plan is a disappointment this year, and right now they're not even in that. You know, they need to be in the top six seeds. That was the expectation, and they aren't even close. So, um, yeah, I don't even know. Like, just talking about the Falcons and the Hawks, it is so exhausting and just, like, almost mind-numbing. Um, you know, I saw a tweet today that in in the NFL and NBA, the worst spot you can possibly possibly be is just in the middle. You know, just being a mid-team, you know, never, like, fully flattening out and getting a high draft pick and uh, kind of just restarting things. And the Falcons and the Hawks are just both in that uh, in that tier of midness, and that's the worst spot you can be in the NBA and NFL. And the, both those teams have been there for the past three years. The Falcons even longer, but since the conference final run, the Hawks had, they have just been right in the middle. And that's just not where you want to be at all in the NBA. That's how you end up just sputtering like they have for all these years now it is just um it's incredibly disheartening you know that this is how things have gone since that conference finals run it's it's rough um and i'm i'm, I'm done talking about the, the, for the hawks it's just whew. um but yeah this has been a pretty painful episode i can't lie talking about these falcons and the hawks you know these the chris sale stuff is interesting for the braves um the braves aren't playing right now so they can't hurt me but Falcons and Hawks, they can just continue to disappoint. Falcons can't anymore, but I'm sure the Hawks will make up for uh, the lack of Falcons. We'll, we'll put it that way. So, yeah, I think I, uh, I think I covered it all on this one. Um, you know, at least we don't have to, uh, like I just said, we don't have to worry about the Falcons anymore. Don't have to cover them anymore for a while. And uh, that's just that's not what you want to say about your favorite teams, but it's just the mindset that I have with with them. It's 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 really rough, man. So yeah, if you um if you made it this far listening, I really really appreciate it, and uh, I will I'll see you in the next one.